So let's take our Bibles today, and we're going to look at Paul. He gave up a lot, right? His name was Saul. He was from a pretty wealthy family because we know he's a Roman citizen. He's obviously there. He's a Jewish man as well. So he's connected all over the European, there in the European continent, on the, at least the Mediterranean part, all around the Mediterranean. He knows cultures, he knows languages, and he's very well educated. And he's had an experience with Jesus Christ. He's, been, he's even changed his name from his Jewish name, Saul, to his Roman name, Paul. And, he, and we know him today as the Apostle Paul. So as we read 1 Corinthians, we introduced it last week and the week before, that Paul has moved to, he's writing a letter to Corinth who, if you go back and do a little bit of study, you'll find he spent a year and a half with these people. So he poured himself into this pe- these people. They had the benefit of having an apostle. And it, we're talking a little bit about Paul as he writes this second chapter, and we read going, ah, there's some clues to us to physically look at Paul, but the spiritual look at Paul as well. So... Um, Let's, let's, we're going to read in First Corinthians chapter 2. And by the way, if you have a child here this morning, if you're a guest with us or came in a little bit later, on the second and the fourth Sundays, the kids are going to go at 9 o'clock right into Catalyst, their small group kids, Catalyst, and they're going to stay there instead of coming in here uh, and then going out. Uh, but if you've got someone who wants to actually go fifth grade and, and down, uh, we can escort them out to the, show them where all the kids are this morning. So uh, that's the second, fourth Sunday, something new, trying to be more intentional about what we're doing. First and, and the third Sunday, the children will worship with us. It'll be a family worship and participate in the Lord's Supper and be with us in worship. So something new we're trying to have. It's like vacation Bible school almost. They start with, the, they're eating blueberry snacks or something back there when I walk by. And I'm like, I think I might stay in here because we don't have the blueberry snacks in the sanctuary. So let's begin reading today. First Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to read all the way through the whole chapter. Verse 6, there's only 16 verses. Paul continues, and I, brethren, and he's talking to Christians, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's going to transition now, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, or as he called it in chapter 1, of the world, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, or you might see there in a secret, or you might say something that actually holds back and says the testimony of God, your translation might say. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things uh, that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with, we would say, with spiritual things. But the natural man does not 
perceive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? And Paul says this, but we have the mind of Christ. He's talking to the Corinthian church, but he's also talking to you and me today as believers. But he's also talking to unbelievers today too, those with natural minds. We'll see that in the word as we go. Let's pray together. Father God, as we have read your word, it almost is a tongue twister of words if we just read it on the surface. But Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit who led Paul to write these words to the church, especially there at Corinth, but also to us today at Town Creek, that, Lord, we would understand and have our takeaway. Those who are unbelievers, much like the unbelievers of Paul's day, seek after signs or, uh, Lord, wisdom of this world. And you're not going to give either one uh, to those people, Lord. We all must come by faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Lord, help us to understand that. Help us to live that. Help us to preach that as Paul did. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. I'd like for us to get into right there in verse 1 that Paul preached. If you look into your notes, Paul preached a simple message. Uh, he shared God's sacred secrets with the Corinthian church. And if you look into the Word of God, you'll see those sacred secrets are something that was reserved for a special time in history. Now, throughout all of history, since even in the garden, when uh, God himself told Adam and Eve, when he was handing out, if you will, the curses to Eve, you will have trouble in childbirth. But she said uh, very clearly, he, he said that uh, to the serpent, the seed of Eve is going to crush your head, right? You'll... you'll, you'll crush his heel you'll bruise his heel but he'll crush your head and we know that was a prophetic word that there was a coming a day that a redeemer or messiah was coming there was someone who was going to save people from their sins and it wasn't just blood of goats and blood of bulls and pigeons it was the blood of holy god now they they didn't fully understand that. even prophets when they preached that could not even with clarity understand all of it they just said what god said thus said the word of god Right? If you look in your Bible, read Old Testament, it says the word of the Lord came and thus said the word of God. And they quote what was told them. So a prophet was a man who received a word from God, or, and they were prophetess as well, received a word from God and gave it to the people. Thus saith God. And they would have to quote directly. And a lot of times with us with memory problems would say, how in the world did they do that? It was the power of God who was working through them. And they made promises, and they, they made commitments, and even the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says there were so many people that actually were, they suffered death, they suffered being attacked by wild animals, thrown into dens, they were sawn in half, the Bible says, and they did not experience this mystery that Paul's telling the church at Corinth. Today we have the privilege and the knowledge of knowing that the mystery has been revealed to them, but it's also been revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're sitting here today and you say, well, I don't believe any of this stuff, Okay, I can't help you. Only you know you and the Holy Spirit knows you. Isn't that true? You can, you can choose. I'm going to walk out of here like I come in. I don't believe any of that stuff. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I'm, I just, I, you can't know God. None of us can fix that problem because Paul's very clear. If I could talk you into it, somebody else could talk you out of it, right? Or talk you into the next religious thing, the next wave that goes on social media, whatever it might be. So Paul's very clear here. He's preaching a simple message, and we'll see why in just a couple of verses. Because when he, reads, when he preaches this message, you're going, wait a minute. Paul preached for a year and a half, Christ crucified and he alone. That's all he preached. Now, I'm sure he went into the deeper things because he talks about the deeper things. Because in maturity, when do we actually as, as Christians have an opportunity to share in the deeper things? Right? Because we have questions. Don't you have questions of God? 
God, I don't understand how this works, or, or why would you do this, or Lord, I don't fully understand this concept. And, and what happens is the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is your teacher. He's your instructor. How many of you ever went to class and you never listened to your teacher? Anybody? Who was the class clowns? Show me, raise your hand if you were the class clowns. All right, wives, point to your husbands, because most of my husbands were, right? Who was, the, who was the person that always disturbed class? Even today, when we sit in class, we have a school. We have those people who, like, when I walk by the windows, the teacher's teaching, and I see all the different teachers, they're pointing to different things, the math on the problem, uh, the, the math problems on the board, they're pointing with, on the smart boards or on the whiteboards, and kids are looking out the window. That was me. I was always looking out the window, right? And, uh, the, the, and say, but Mom, I didn't get the assignment. Well, it was written on the board, it was written in your agenda, and it's on your computer account, but you didn't get the, 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 the instructions. We're that same way if we're not careful. We can come to church, and, and you say, why do we have to come in and listen to preaching? That was my biggest issue. Why do I have to come to hear somebody yell at me or teach me something that I'm not interested in? It's because I was a natural man. I, I didn't have an understanding to want to receive the things of God, and I definitely didn't want to read the Bible because um, it's an old ancient book, and why would we waste our time? But you do know that the Bible, as is relevant, listen, the news in the Bible is like the news on today's streets, is it not? Are people not living the same way? You're going to see as we get through the book of Corinth, uh, the Corinthian church, they were a spiritually church, they were a spiritually filled church, but they yet had brought in some of the old sinful ways. And they started going back, they were backsliding as we use that word. All right? They truly were saved. They truly did have a relationship with Christ. So Paul comes to them and says, listen, I've come to you preaching a simple message. Now, he's going to tell you, I've come to preach a simple message because he just got through leaving Athens where he had an engagement with all the philosophers there and he preached in the Areopagus that, hey, you guys have a statue to the unknown God and I'm going to tell you who he is. His name is Jesus Christ. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And to the wise, learned scholars, the wisdom of this world, wait a minute, you saying somebody come back from the dead, right? Can you imagine today if we said uh, so-and-so died last, uh, last week and we buried him and they were buried in a, like a mausoleum crypt kind of place, and now they're around here talking to us, and they're having dinner with us this week. And you said, that doesn't make any sense at all. Same thing for all natural people. Listen, what God's plan was of old, his ancient plan, his foreordained plan, makes no sense to anybody, especially to us today in America, right? We're 2,000 years away from this story. Uh, we don't know the Romans. Anybody know a Roman? Anybody know a Roman? Anybody named Roman? I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't know the Romans, right? The ways we read, we see their roads. Uh, we even take Roman um, colloquialisms and we say, take the high road. Anybody ever told you to take the high road? You know what the high road was for? The Romans. The slaves had to walk down below the road and the road was built up, so the Romans took the high road. If you take the high road, that's the better way. So we, anybody ever told you to take the high road? Just take the high road in the situation, right? Take the better way is what they're trying to say. Well, here Paul is coming, he's preaching Jesus Christ, and then he transitions there. If you look in verse 2, he says, listen, Paul preached Jesus' redemptive, substitutionary death and his resurrection to the Corinthian church. He did not use the wisdom or the rhetoric of the Jewish or the Greek culture. He's in a Greek city. Corinth is a Greek culture. It's a Greek city. They're used to philosophers and people telling them, hey, uh, we talked about this morning in our uh, Catalyst class, this, is, this will be the podcast of today. How many of y'all listen to podcasts? Anybody listen to podcasts on any subject? It can be anything, training your brain, whatever it might be. I listen to podcasts as well, but what happens is if you're not careful, you'll become a disciple of the one who's leading the podcast versus the disciple of Jesus Christ or whatever you're trying to study. 
This is Paul's, if you will, his podcast to the Corinthian church. He has a year and a half he's going to spend with them. And he's saying, listen, I'm telling you a simple message. Jesus Christ died for you. Remember the argument? I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of of Cephas or Peter. I'm of Jesus. They had this argument in the church. And Paul's saying, it's not good. Don't have that argument today. And then he's coming back and saying, listen, I just preached Jesus to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And listen, Jesus died in your place. That's the substitutionary death. That means you deserve to die. Do you understand that? If, If God truly is holy... And he is. And if you truly are a sinner, and you are, sin cannot go to heaven, so therefore God has to punish sin, and that's why he created hell. He said hell was created for what? Jesus said that. For the devil and his angels, those who rebelled against God. If it's all true. You say, well, I don't believe it's true. I'm telling you if, and I believe it is true because of what Jesus did in me, but mainly because of what he said in his word. So if God's holy, you're a sinner, there is no possible way to get to heaven. There has to be a substitute. In the Old Testament, what was the substitute? Substitute were lambs and bulls and pigeons and animals that were clean that could be offered as a sacrifice, and they covered the people's sin, almost like chocolate would cover vanilla ice cream, right? You got a cone, pour chocolate, it goes over. That's how your sins were covered. And as God looked at the sins, he would see the blood of, uh, you being obedient, what he saw, the blood of bulls and goats. He's like, but that's not what I want. Sacrifice is not what I want. I want your obedience. I want your love. And so when Jesus came to earth, he was born of a virgin, which is very important. A a woman who never knew a man, a young teenage girl. And then he lived a life that was perfect. Never sinned because he couldn't sin. He was tempted, the Bible says, in every way that we've been tempted. But he could not sin because he was the God-man. He was Jesus Christ. He was perfect. And he is perfect. Because Hebrews 13, 8 says, listen, he's the same yesterday, today, and how long? forevermore that's what the bible says look at it for yourself so if jesus can't change and jesus is god and jesus was with god and jesus is god then god can't change when god come to earth as man and here we are he he is raised to about 33 years old he lives and then he voluntarily dies on a cross he voluntarily substitutes himself he took you off the what should have been on the cross and he put himself there does that make any sense to anyone It makes no sense to me other than amen, yes, and thank you, Jesus, right? It makes no sense. Why would you do that for me? You know how you are. You know the Bible says the man's spirit within him, and it means man or woman, your spirit knows how bad you are, right? Your spirit would tell on yourself. If you had to make, you know, you got a uh, truth serum and you told on yourself, you'd be telling us all kind of crazy things you've done in life, right? If, if your laundry was aired right here in front of everybody, skeletons in your closet. Man, the closet ain't big enough for your skeletons, right? You got a mess of stuff in your history. But you had some mess of your stuff in the last week too, didn't you? Yesterday, this morning, did you fight coming to church trying to get the kids snatched up? Get yourself in the, I'm going to snatch you up if you don't get in the car, right? Anybody got any situations like that before church? Don't, don't confess. We're running late, right? And, and then there's this argument before church, like, Holy, holy, he's like, and kids are like, that's not what you were saying earlier, right? It, it's just our human nature. We know who we are, right? And here's the good news. God knows who you are as well. Amen? And he still loves you. He loves you. And he loved you before the foundation of the earth. So he substituted that himself for, for you. He, he did that for you and for me. He redeemed you. That redemptive word, he bought you back. He brought you back. He, he created you. You were made in the image of God. Adam and Eve were. But we sinned, and Satan goes, got him. 
right? He's always loves the God of, he got him. And we were so far away from God and we would sometimes, the, in the times past, humans would be obedient and they would do what they're supposed to do. But for the most part, we've been a rebellious people since Adam and Eve. Is that true? Your nature is to do the wrong thing versus the right thing. It's just in us. You say, well, not me. Yes, you, even the sweetest grandmother is evil to her core without Jesus. Did y'all know that? The sweetest grandmother is evil to her core without Jesus. That, may, that feels awful even to say that, doesn't it? Grandmother and evil in the same, same word. But it's true. Every person is evil at their core without Jesus. So we were redeemed and we were bought back. Paul says there in verse 3, he says, uh, Paul was in a weakened state when he ministered to the people of Corinth. Well, that bothered me a little bit, and you blow over that quickly. If you read it, and go, what's his problem, right? What week Was he scared of these people? He was not scared of them. He was not afraid. We know that from his nature. Paul was a wiry little man, but here's what we do know. Paul had been blinded, right, on the road to Damascus. Jesus himself knocked him, the bright light, knocked the horse, the horse jumped, and he fell off the horse. He was blinded. And he was blinded until he went into the city, and Ananias had to pray for him and have the scales removed off his eyes. That was his first experience. He was stoned as to death. That's why I put it that way. Because they thought he was stoned to death. He was stoned to death in Lystra, right? They took him out. They even threw him in a rubbish pile thinking he's dead. Because they, 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 they knew how to stone people back in the day. So they thought they'd finished the product with him and, and killed him. He, he'd been stoned to death. We read this when we went through the book of Acts. We read all of his encounters. Everywhere Paul went, he started a riot. Did you know that? Because he confronted sin on every corner. If someone spoke to him about a topic, he, got, he made his way quickly back to a, a death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter who he was speaking with, no matter their education, their background, there's some other things. He was arrested. Paul and Silas, we know about that, right? He was thrown into prison. They, they had cast a demon out of a slave girl, and the people who owned the slave girl lost all their money because she couldn't, she couldn't actually tell the future or tell, uh, play the cards for them anymore. And she was useless to them because they made, she made them money. Well, Paul and Silas were beaten and arrested for that. And then they went on, they were accused of all kinds of different things, preaching heresy against God Almighty. They were accused of breaking the customs of the Romans. They were accused of breaking the rules of the Jews. They were accused of everything. Everywhere Paul went, he caused trouble. He, not he, he himself, but the Holy Spirit through him. Any of y'all like to get in trouble when you were kids? Don't raise your hand. Is there some of you that are adults that still like to get in trouble? I Trouble is like the edge thing that, that makes, makes me live, right? That edge, like you push it just a little bit. Can you get right to the edge without falling off, right? Do you ever get to the mountains and crawl over and look over the mountain peaks and just see if you feel gravity pulling you? Anybody ever do that? God's made some of us crazy. I understand some of y'all are going, like, what are you talking about? My mother's right here. She can, she can tell you how crazy we were. My brother and sister are here. It's the things that we understand that God's made all of us different, but for human nature, for us, we'll do that same thing. It might not be climbing a mountain or climbing a tree. It might not be racing cars or doing some dangerous stunt. But we live a life very much like that day by day. When we don't read our word of God, when we don't pray, when we don't fellowship with others, uh, we can go there on an island by ourselves and, and, and we can actually be attacked and attacked and attacked and we can be in a weakened state. Paul, here in verse 3 He's been through all these things, but he did it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I think Paul was suffering just a little bit. His physical body was beat down. I think his emotional state, I think Paul was a little bit depressed. If you read about what he said, he, he, he'd been to Athens just before this, and he went doing 
preached about the unknown God. And for the most part, preachers who have been called into the ministry because we think of all the things we could have done in life, right? And God called his vocation to the ministry. We have to say yes to God. If we don't, we pay the consequence of that. Paul was from, I believe, a wealthy family. He was a tent maker. He, he made the expensive tent, the black uh, sheep-type tents. He made the black wool tents that most scholars believe. He, so he went back to that some. You'll see that he, he talks about that. But Paul had a big showdown in Athens. He just before this had a showdown. He used all of his rhetoric, all of his tools he'd learned in college and the university. He used everything that he knew to argue, even the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there in Athens at the Areopagus. And the Greek philosopher's like, you're crazy. Somebody resurrected from the dead. Man, get this man out of here, right? He's talking about, he's talking about somebody who's died and resurrected. Get out of here. So I believe he was mocked a bit when he was there. Some people believed. There were people who believed in Jesus Christ and left. Small amount, the Bible says. A few. But for the most part, Paul was shamed and ridiculed because of this crazy speaking about some resurrected man, especially a Jewish man there in the Greek culture. So I think Paul's coming, no pun intended, licking his wounds. He's been beaten physically. He's been beaten down emotionally. He's been beaten down spiritually because every time God works, the devil tries to attack the man or woman of God. Do you know that? Elijah, look at Elijah. He had that great Mount Carmel experience. He calls down fire from heaven. God sends it. Uh, Moses, Mike talked about, the Red Sea splits. And every one of those men, after a great event, there's this heavy lift. that They, they seem to be depressed going, and we read it from a text going, dude, you just trusted in a supernatural God who's sovereign over everything, and now you're, you're crying that you're the only one, you're, you're depressed, you want to go stand and die somewhere? Get over yourself, right? But if that mirror is flipped on me and you, what happens? What happens to you, and what happens when you have that, man, you had a great time at church, you, you, you spoke for the Lord Jesus Christ, you made decisions to follow him, and when you get home, you'll start hearing these voices if you're not careful. You're not worthy. You ain't no good. Just wait till next week. You know what? You're not better than so-and-so. And then people at work will tell you, oh, here comes the preacher, right? Here comes the little missionary. They'll make fun of you. They'll mock you. You take it with the Lord's help as, as we live this Christian life. I gave you the reference there, Acts chapter 9, of Paul's conversion and his blinded state. And I didn't put my uh, colon there. Like 16, 16 through 40. That's chapter 16. And then chapter 17, verses 1 through 34. All the way through the book of Acts, through chapter 23, you'll find Paul's encounters. He's going to face, after this letter, he's going to face more incarceration. He's going to face more beatings, shipwrecks, snake bites. He's poisonous snake bites, I should add. He's going to face all kinds of things in the name of Jesus Christ. Did you know that Jesus told Ananias in chapter 9, he must suffer for my glory, right? It's something that he's got to go through. You say, how many of y'all like suffering in the room? Anybody? Yes, I want to suffer for Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to give my life to Jesus and suffer for him. Now, not in the American church, and really not the church around the world. We want to come where there's air conditioning. We want comfortable seats, and we want clean bathrooms. We want, we want nice food, and we want a, a nice car. We want all those things. Lord, I'll follow you if you just keep me in the nice thing, Bill, right? And he's called us to sacrifice our, ourselves and to suffer for Jesus. It's appointed for us as Christians to suffer. And you say, I don't like that. Well, look around the room. When nobody raised their hand. No one in this room likes it. If you like it, something's wrong with you, right? Except to the point that you know if Christ has called you for that, right? Then you give up saying, listen, though I have this infirmity, though I have the, uh, uh, infirmity of the sickness, though I have this, this inability, though this accident's happened, 
yet I'll use it for Christ. Amen? If we can come to that point saying, whatever it is for Christ, whatever it is, in the good times, for Christ. In the awful, most miserable times before death, our death, for Christ. Amen? Can God use all things for his glory? Join with me in saying, for Christ. Lift your hand and just say, for Christ. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to think about that thing you're dealing with. That issue you're having. Where the church is like the church of Corinth is. Whatever it might be. I, I've had this crazy eye thing going on for now 10 weeks. And I said, Lord, thank you for this. Because I'm getting to meet people I've never met before. And people are looking at me going, ugh, what's wrong with your eyes? That's, that's my encounter. Every time I meet somebody, it's like, they think I have, I got cooties or something. I don't know what it is, but uh, pink eye or something. Oh, what is wrong with you? And Lord, for your glory. Use this for your glory, right? So I want you to think about your problem. It could be medical. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could be anything. I want you to get it. You got your issue? Come on. Work with me. This is the teaching time, right? You got your issue? I want you to place it there in your hand symbolically and lift it and say, for Christ. Try it. Let's do it. For Christ. Come on. Try it again. For Christ. We don't want to do that. Why? Because some people love being a victim. Did y'all know that? That's our nature. It's not my fault. Don't deserve this. It's my family, how I grew up. It's who I married. Or it's those kids I got, Lord. And it's a situation. If you would have given me this or that, this would have been better. For Christ. For Christ. All right, let's continue. When I was in the military, we got debriefed, and it's called a need to know. Some of you have had secret backgrounds, and you've had top secret clearances. And we had a top secret clearance, and then we top secret. And then every time you go into another issue, you got a top secret, and you got a code word added to your secret clearance. You just continue. Every time they would, it's called being read in. They read you into this theater, whatever you're going to work in. They'd read you in, and you go, yeah, I got it. They'd give you, they'd take all those secrets, and they would just give you the secrets. And like, are you kidding me? And you could read the files, and you got all this inside information of what's happening in this area going, I can't believe that. And then when war started during the Gulf War, they, they, they flew on, on our plane, on our ship. They landed in our intel center. They came in, and they brought us all these files, and we had electronic files, and they read us in. And so not only now you have top secret Right? I can't tell you what they are because I don't know if they're still classified. It's been a long time. All right? You have top secret this, you have access to there. Top secret that, you have access to this. You have top secret this, and it keeps adding to, they read you in on everything. But when it's all over, guess what they do? What access do I have right now? <laughs> I have nothing. Right? I've tried to get into folks that work at Fort Gordon. Hey, get me in. Somehow get me in. Just get me into the sanitized room and just let me stand there and smell it again. Let me touch the computers and, and be a part. I love that world, right? Because there's two worlds, and, and there was a movie that came out, and um, I'll tell you the movie, because it's, everything's beyond declassified now, The Hunt for Red October. And I was in the Navy, and Wendy and I went out to see it, and there's something on there that was like, I almost had a panic attack. I was a young sailor. I'd been sworn to secrecy, swear to the Constitution, and I saw something on that movie that I swallowed hard, made it back to the ship, and I said, Lieutenant, have you seen this movie? No, I hadn't seen it. Lieutenant, this is on this movie. He's like, Smith, let me tell you something. You live in two worlds. You live in the natural world like everybody else, and they know what's happening day in, day out. They drive up and down the streets, and they're clueless. 
But you also live in this top secret world where there's this whole other world happening and we have to control this world and contain this world and live in this world. So you're living in two worlds while you're really driving in one. Does that sound anything like the scriptures? I said, well, you got to see this movie, movie series. He says, they don't know what we know. I said, well, somebody does because it's in the movie, right? And so Tom Clancy, yeah, yeah, he's got some fellas. He's got some friends. But here's what I want you to understand. As far as we're concerned, as far as Paul was concerned, he's telling the church, listen, I am trying to tell you now, you have been read in. You have the sacred secrets of God. All that stuff that Isaiah was talking about, Elijah was talking about, Daniel was talking about, those guys Ezekiel was talking about, they never got to see it fully. They had a part of it, but they never had it come to full fruition. And now here we are today. You have more access now, this might blow your mind, than Ezekiel or Daniel. They were prophets of God. Yes, they, they had the Old Testament. Yes, they had some of the law they understood. But you have grace today. You have the secret of God knowing that, hey, the secret, the mystery there in the Bible is that God was going to come to earth himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. He was going to live a perfect life. He was going to demonstrate ministry for three years. He was going to offer himself a sacrifice. He was going to die. And three days later, he was going to rise from the dead. And that anyone who believed and put faith in him could have eternal life and be called sons and daughters of God. Does that blow your mind? That's a red-in secret. Listen, that should blow your mind every time you think about being a Christian. It's not just living and saying, I'm good with God. But you are good with God. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're good with God. And then after you're good with God, he's going to give you some assignments to do. He might call you to Europe like Paul. He might call you to the Middle East like Paul. But he might call you right here to Aiken, South Carolina. This is the place where you're to begin, but he might send you to the ends of the earth. We must be ready, as Paul told the church there at Corinth, I come to preach a simple message, and it is that Christ, he, listen, he redeemed you. He substituted his life for your life through his resurrection. It's not through a dead Jesus. It's through a living Jesus that was resurrected the third day according to the scriptures. That's what Mike read for us this morning. Well, Paul shared the gospel, which he knew was the power of God. The Holy Spirit powerfully moved Paul to preach the gospel and gave the listeners a heart and a mind to believe by faith the message preached. There in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he even says that to the church of Ephesus. It's God who gives the measure of faith. Have you ever borrowed sugar from somebody? The old neighbor borrowed flour, sugar? Anybody ever? We don't do that much anymore. But we, I can remember, anybody ever borrowed something from a neighbor? Did you return it, by the way, just for the record? All right, you should, especially if it's a motor device, right? We borrow stuff and say, can I borrow just a little bit of that? And they always measure out what you ask for, right? They don't, they don't go and say, okay, let me run the food line real quick and get you five bags of it, even though they might. I don't need five bags. I need this much. The Bible says when God calls you, when he knocks on your heart's door, as Paul is telling here, that God's calling you saying, listen, I want you to believe on the only begotten Son of God. Right? Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world. That's us. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When you hear that, if you're not a Christian, you should say, that's God talking to me. Right now I'm perishing. i got this weight I can't be lifted from. I can't stand it anymore. He's talking to me. And when you trust Jesus Christ for salvation of your soul, that's when he's ready to say, okay, come on in. I want you to be mine. He gives you what's called a measure of faith. 
Some people come in wide open like this because God knows your personality. Some people come in just creeping in, getting a little bit of a cup of sugar, right? And what happens to that sugar? You, what do you do with the sugar if you're using it for a recipe? It turns into what eventually? Besides fat, right? It turns into usually a pound cake. It turns into some biscuits. It turns, it turns into something that sugar is an ingredient in. And then it's spread. What do you do with a cake? You don't typically sit down and make a pound cake and eat all of it yourself. You might, but you, that's not what you typically do. You usually make it for an event, right? I always ask Wendy, why do you always make those cool desserts when we go to a church event, we go somewhere, right? Cook them while we're just here at the house. Even she cooks really well, y'all can tell. That's her resume is on my belt line right here. But those things that we like, sometimes we make them special, and it usually takes just a little measure of something, right? In and of themselves, anybody just sit and drink buttermilk? My dad used to. Ugh, I don't know how you do it, but God bless you. But you mix buttermilk and sugar and flour. What do you, what you, the things that makes biscuits or cakes, in and of themselves, are not always good. Vanilla extract. Has somebody ever drank that by itself? I never knew what it was. I just took it, the little bottle while I was sneaking one time. Mama had some. And it says vanilla, so I was thinking vanilla ice cream. And so all I did is just went, thinking I was going to drink all of it. I don't know if you know that or not. And it burned like, anybody ever not tasted vanilla extract? I still do the trick with the kids. Try it. It's fun. I do it with the kids here at church. Say, hey, you like vanilla ice cream? Try this stuff, right? I only give them a little bit. And the other thing is Hershey's chocolate. It looks just like Hershey's on the, on the counter. Uh, Hershey's cook baking chocolate. Has anybody ever tried that? You get a spoonful of it. Kids are like, oh, chocolate, I love it. Oh, and they put a mouthful in and it just comes out. It puffs out your mouth. And it drips out your mouth. If you've never done it, listen, I'll do it with you after church. See me after church and I'll watch you eat it. It's the most funny thing that I've ever seen, especially selfish little children do. Teenagers are the funniest too because they try to hold it and be cool and they go, and it just puffs. It's going to end up with a, like a radioactive mushroom cloud. It's just, it's bitter, awful chocolate. It's the worst thing on the planet. It's terrible. If you haven't done it, see me at church. We'll go do it because I love watching people do it. And then, uh, they wipe their tongue, right? Here's what Paul's trying to say. Listen, God's going to give you that measure of faith, that little bit of faith to get you going. And then he says later in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So every time you read the word of God, you have an encounter with God, he grows your faith. He grows your faith. He grows your faith. And all of your life, guess what you're doing? Growing in faith. Let's continue with the notes. Let's go through it quickly. Paul was clear, it is not the wisdom of man which saves, but it is the Christ-centered gospel which brings about faith. In an individual, those who are spiritually maturing in their faith have access to the sacred secrets of God. God is the revealer of his secrets. Only God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is, his, is the revealer of secrets. Listen, God wants you to know his stuff. God wants you to know what he wants you to know, his secrets. He wants to. Let's continue with the notes. Let's go through it quickly. Paul was clear, it is not the wisdom of man which saves, but it is the Christ-centered gospel which brings about faith in an individual. Those who are spiritually maturing in their faith have access to the sacred secrets of God. God is the revealer of his secrets. Only God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is, his, is the revealer of secrets. Listen, God wants you to die. So every time you read the word of God, you have an encounter with God, he grows your faith. He grows your faith. He grows your faith. And all of your life, guess what you're doing? Growing in faith. Let's continue with the notes. Let's go through it quickly. Paul was clear, it is not the wisdom of man which saves, but it is the Christ-centered gospel which brings about faith. In an individual, those who are spiritually maturing in their faith have access to the sacred secrets of God. God is the revealer of his secrets. Only God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is, his, is the revealer of secrets. Listen, God wants you to know his stuff. God wants you to know 
what he wants you to know, his secrets. He wants to reveal those things to you. And it's the power of God unto salvation, according to the scripture there in Romans 1.16. The ancient wisdom of God is and always will be hidden from the unrighteous until it is revealed by God to those who are by faith believe. The insanity of sin blinded unbelievers who crucified the Lord of glory. Can you imagine? These people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. And then just within the week, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, led by a couple of knuckleheads who didn't believe. Can we be that changed that quick? Can we turn from Christ that quick? These Jewish people remember this Old Testament times. They had never given their heart lives to Jesus Christ. But some of them said, hey, we believe. Even when they followed Jesus, Jesus said, listen, you must take my, my flesh and eat it, and you must drink my blood. And they're like, he's a cannibal. He's talking about cannibalism. You think Jesus actually wanted people to come up and munch on his arm or his leg? No, he was saying what it is. It's symbolic of my body being broken. It's symbolic of my blood that's being poured out for you to cover you, to substitute for you. That's what he was saying. People didn't understand it. And even today, people don't understand it apart from the Holy Spirit. When you hear it, you must do one of two things. You must accept it and say, this is true. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, what he's saying, this word is true, or you must reject it. Say, it's foolishness. I can't believe that. If you accept it, there's a promise from God that you'll have everlasting life. Jesus himself said that. You trust me with your heart and soul by faith. That little measure, I'm going to give it to you. I'm setting it, waiting for you to open, and I'll give it to you. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he gives you himself and all the riches of heaven. And then you pursue a lifestyle of maturing and growing up in your faith like these Corinthian church. Listen, you might fall, you might flat on your face and go out, but he'll pick you back up and restore you because you're a child of his. Let's continue. Paul quotes Isaiah. Uh, there with the people were actually looking forward to the things that would happen, the ancient wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the redeemed. This is the good news. God's wisdom motivates Christians into deeper states of maturity. You must grow up in your faith. If you're the same as you were last year, something's wrong with you. If you don't know more of the scriptures today than, than, than you did last year, something's wrong with you. Life can be tough, would you agree? All of us, how many would love just to be, if you're not retired, hold on, I'll hold it for you, don't raise your hand. How many of you would love to be retired to say, I wish I could just retire? All right, anybody? There's a few hands, truth, all right. How many of you that are retired said, I wish I was back working? Anybody? All right. Look at the hands. Yeah. What happens is we always want what we don't have. I wish I was retired so I could do X, Y, Z. And then when you do those, you're like, I really wish I was working again. I miss all my coworkers. I miss that challenge. I miss that whatever it might be. We're never really fully ever satisfied as humans. Right? So Christ has called us here. Listen, Lord, I just want to know more and more of you. Well, that's the part of you that he likes. Right? Who is your teacher of all if you're a Christian? Overall, it's the Holy Spirit, right? Through Jesus Christ, he's your teacher. We have missionaries stuck in Muslim parts of Africa. They cannot associate with anyone else. Who is their teacher? They don't have a church to go to. Their, their bedroom is their church. Their kitchen is their church. That's it. That's all they have is each other. And once a year, they get to fly out and meet with other believers. So what would you do if you were stuck by yourself on an island? better question is, what would you do if you're stuck at your house? If you're in the car. I hope that you not listen just to crazy worldly music all the time. Sometimes listen to the things of God. Turn on the scriptures. With my eyes like they've been, it's been hard to read. It's, I see little bubbles all over the time, all the time, like I'm underwater swimming. 
and it's been a pleasure to listen to the Psalms sitting in my chair and just doing nothing and listening to the Word of God. My faith has grown just by listening because I couldn't read. I couldn't, if I read, I get distracted, right? The dog barks, I look. If uh, somebody comes in, I look. If the doorbell rings or whatever might happen, you look and you're distracted. Air conditioning kicks on, you're looking around. But when you put, Wendy bought me some nice earbuds, I guess it's for, so I can get away from her, not so she can get away from me. Um, but I just, the world goes away and I listen to what God's word says. The spirit of God speaks to my heart. So it's been a pleasure to just close my eyes and rest them and just, Listen to the Word of God. I challenge you to do that. It's a new, new experience I've had. Not that I haven't done it in the past, but I haven't done it to this extent. God's growing me. He's my teacher, right? He's your teacher as well. Let's finish the last two notes. The natural, the unbelieving man does not accept the teachings and revelations of the Holy Spirit. There's not one thing you can do about that. If somebody says, I don't believe that, you cannot change their belief. Don't try. Just share the gospel. You imagine a tomato plant saying, I cannot produce tomatoes. Can it produce tomatoes if, the, if you get the plant in the air like this? Where does the tomato seed or the tomato plant need to be to grow tomatoes? It's got to be planted in the soil. And then what does it do? It brings forth fruit. For you and me today, we must be planted in the soil of the Holy Spirit. Those lost friends, family members, all you have to do is tell them about Jesus Christ. Who does the work? It's the Holy Spirit who does the work. But you must be a good farmer, and you must plant the seed, and you must water it. Finally, listen, the wisdom of God is absurd and illogical to the unbeliever. Unbelievers are incapable of understanding God's wisdom because it must be spiritually discerned, and they are unqualified to judge spiritual matters. That's what he's saying. The unbeliever, he can't understand it. She can't understand it. It's just, it sounds like rhetoric to them, just talking points. And they've had church experiences, right? Anybody ever been church hurt or somebody hurt you at church or somebody said something they shouldn't have said at church? We've experienced that. What do you do with that, Lord or Christ? Give it to him. Let him have it because there's nothing you can do about it. If you say something in return, if somebody says something awful ugly to you, like that song says, what do you do? I choose the Jesus way. It's not the easy way, but it is the redeemed person's way. And finally, the spiritually mature Christian questions examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals to him or her. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature because believers have the mind of Christ. You're saying, do we have all the knowledge of Jesus Christ? No. I think we're going to spend for eternity we'll be exploring the, the, the mind of Christ. We'll be exploring the things of God. We'll, his creation going, wow. I think it's every day is a wild day in heaven. And on earth, when we have the new heaven, new earth. I think we're going to just love being in the presence of God and finding out more and more about God and finding more about his believers and, and, and where he, what he did and what he allows us to know there in heaven. I think it's going to be incredible. But church, let me tell you something today. You've been read in. You have a sacred secret uh, clearance, if you will. You have access to know the deep things of God. We talked about this morning, if we had a, everybody had to stand up this morning, we won't do it, because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but if we had to stand up, and you've been in church longer than, uh, let's say, two months, and I'll say, everybody knows the Ten Commandments in order, come stand over here. Some of y'all looked at that shocked face like we did this morning, right? Why? Don't, are you going to make us say them? Would y'all like to say them all together right now, the Ten Commandments in order? Thus said the Word of God, and everybody's like, no, it's not fair. I haven't studied them. We should know them, right? 
If I said, what's your address? You'd go, oh, my address is, and you just tell me. What's your phone number? Oh, you know that. What's your favorite podcast? You tell me, right? Who are the 12 apostles, the original 12? Do you know them? Do you know them by name? Could you quote them? Could you find them in Scripture if you can't quote them? Those are elementary things we should know right off the top, not just say, Pastor, that's just trivial. We should know the things. If we say Jesus is our teacher, guess what we should be reading all the time? Jesus' words. Jesus' people should know Jesus' teachings. Would you agree? And you can't know Jesus' teachings until you put your nose or ears into the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's time for you and me, church. Listen, as, with, as soft as I can say it, you need to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to grow up. Would you agree? I've told you when we started this series, when a little kid says when they're little, I can't wait to grow up. They want to be this and that and that. And then when your parent says, or your, or your boss, I hope it's not your boss, grow up, right? It means something completely different. It means you're acting immature. Paul's telling the church of Corinth, all these niceties, there's divisions in the church, but he's about to drop the hammer and say, grow up, because it's going to get bad. Chapter 5 gets really stinky poo-poo, right? It's, it's bad. He's telling them all these nice things. You're maturing Christ. You have all these rights. You have these abilities. This is what you'll be called to do. And then he's going to call and he's going to give a big swing on things here shortly. Just If you read ahead, you'll know the, it'll be a spoiler alert. He's, it's not all nice as we go ahead. You say, well, is that going to be for us? Well, is it for you? Are you in sin? Do you make sinful choices? You don't care who thinks it. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You just show up to church once in a while. Well, then it's for you. You need to grow up if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The cool thing is he loves you to show you the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's daily. For the unbeliever, you can come right away. And for the Christian, you have direct access to him 24-7. Doesn't that make you feel wonderful? The sovereign God who controls everything is waiting to hear your voice, and he's waiting to speak to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you've given us the ability to know you, to love you, to experience your love, and to grow up. Lord, you teach us, and you want us to know the deeper things of God. And when some people hear that, they go, wait a minute, there's more to this than I know? There's always more with you, Lord. We'll never have the 66 books of the Bible memorized. Uh, Lord, if we do, it would just be a word drill. But the depths of your teaching, Lord, it blows us away that you can use one passage of Scripture that was said years ago, and it makes application to our lives today. We need you. We love you. We thank you today. And Lord, I pray for someone that's here today that's not a Christian. They would process this, and you would give them that measure of faith. And Father, I pray for us as Christians that are maybe some that are mediocre, that are in between walking down the yellow line of the road. Lord, they would choose a side, follow you, and get hot for Jesus Christ. Father, those that are on fire for you, I pray you would continue to give them the unction of the Holy Spirit to move forward and keep preaching and teaching, keep planting and watering in Jesus' name because we want to honor you and glorify you with all of our lives. This is the things we ask you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen.